Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to the Neighborhood Pub, and welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. I'm Tom O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined at the table by Gabe Casper and Josh Woodrow, proud owners of Masters of Divinity degrees. Today, we'll be discussing film, and not in a pretentious way. You know, like the only film worth our time is Danish Girl or Brooklyn. We're going to talk Oscars, red carpet fashion, should Christians watch Quentin Tarantino movies, and I'll argue with Gabe about how awesome Transformers was. We also got this guy, Wes Halula, hanging around, who actually works in film. So pull up a chair and grab a pint. Yo, 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 all right. First things first, guys. We need to we need to talk about what we're drinking today. Gabe, you're not oh drinking Lacroix anymore, so hallelujah. Yes, I have uh, moved on, moved on and up in the world. I'm over the the whole thirty diet. I did lose sixteen pounds on it. So uh, yeah, yeah, look out. How ladies. long ago? So, how long ago did you did you stop the diet then? Uh, about a week ago. So have you gained the sixteen? I back? I'm certain I've gained at least like four pounds back. It'll <laughs> it'll quickly be sixteen. Uh, my poor wife, like I, she's trying to stay on it as much as possible. And, uh, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's Easter time, right? So they got those Easter egg, like the Reese's peanut butter cup Easter eggs, which are the greatest thing in the entire world. So I bought like a 12 pack of those and I've eaten six of them. Anyways, today I am drinking Lone Star, the national beer of Texas. Uh, it's, it's a classy beverage. It's basically PBR with a different label on it. <laughs> so classy, real classy. Of course. What you guys? Today I have, uh, ironically, I'm drinking an American Blonde Ale from Guinness. Have you guys had that? Guinness's American Blonde. Have you guys had that yet? I have had it. I feel like they don't know what they're talking about with that. No, it's actually super good. Uh, I stumbled upon it because I was being super cheap one night. I was at Walmart and saw Guinness American Blonde, and it was like the cheapest beer I could find other than Disgusting Lone Star and or PBR. Wow. So I grabbed it, wow. and it's actually better than most American Blondes I have. So kudos to Guinness. Cheers. Even better than your wife, that American Blonde? Did you catch that joke? Yeah, I don't know. I we were both talking. And I'm ignoring it. Okay. Ignoring it. We both had the same joke. Hey. Oh, we did? Yeah. Great okay. minds. Sure enough, what are you drinking, Tom? Well, Wes? Wes, Wes and I here are together, and we're going to introduce Wes here in a minute. But Wes and I are drinking uh, not beer today, but we are drinking Jim Beam, which not the greatest in the world. So I know I just burned that advertising bridge. Uh, but we are drinking uh, what amounts to 36-year-old Jim Beam out of a ceramic largemouth bass. 
And uh, this was a special uh, container made for a fishing contest in Wisconsin back in 1979. And so it's, it's, a, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's, you're drinking Jim Bean at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, right. We need to change the name of this podcast to Pipe Glass Alcoholics. Apparently, Tom. Perhaps. But perhaps the best fish booze I've ever had. <laughs> Delicious. That is a broad category to win in, so way to go. <laughs> well, so, well, I was just going to tell you, we, you and I were talking earlier, well, so our last episode, we were talking about our last episode, and we talked about social media and all this sort of stuff, and then you were about to share with me this story about a social media interaction you had recently. Uh, what's you know, that all about? Yeah, so last week we were talking about how we we're starting to unfollow people who just put ridiculous things up on their Facebook wall, things that are have no thought put into it. And so it was this last Tuesday, it's Super Tuesday, people are going to go caucusing, uh, like that's a thing. Uh, at least here, I know it's a thing, but like it's here in Minnesota, thing. people were getting really excited about it. I mean, way more excited than they should have, I thought. Uh and so someone put up on their on their Facebook wall, uh, hey, guys, don't vote for Trump. You can't vote for Trump because he's he's filled with hatred. He's a bigot. He's sexist and all these things. And so far, I'm right on board with that. Right. Uh, but then he says, Donald Trump is just like Hitler, Stalin and Pol Pot all together. <laughs> Lord, that's what he said. And and I again, based off of our conversation last week. I'm not, I, I don't ever respond to political stuff online, but I had to this time. because. So I just wrote a quick note and I said, hey, as, at least to my knowledge, and I feel like I'm fairly educated and read the news every once in a while, but Donald Trump has not killed 6 million Jews. He is not responsible for the 50 million Russian deaths. He did not wipe out 25% of Cambodia. He was not, uh, he did not sanction uh, gruesome medical experiments on other people. He has not committed genocide he has not raped pillaged burned down villages started a world war he hasn't done any of those things but this is the rhetoric we're getting and so i engaged maybe his hair did all those things tom and you just didn't know it oh, jesus <laughs> sorry i had to sneak so, in that you got to have that one so, one trump hair joke uh, i decided to be the guy we all need that guy. So, Tom, what 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 happened? Just give him some time. <laughs> well, that's what he said. Just give him time. He's yeah, gonna. Exactly. He, he's heading down that path. Oh no, he is not. Which is hilarious because these are the same people who refuse to give any president time. I mean, isn't that what we hear? The rhetoric after what the first year, any president's in office, you got the opposing party being like, "Oh, we gave him enough time. He had six months to change the economy." Blah blah blah. And you know, it never actually happens. So we're gonna short of time. So we're gonna hold off on the genocide, whether that's gonna happen or not, with Trump. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I guess. I mean, I know he hates immigrants, but well, so did the did the guy respond to you, or you just said give him time? I mean, what did any did it did no, it go anywhere? No, he responded with give him time, and he's definitely heading down his path. You can see some of the same characteristics as him and Hitler. And I said, okay. I said, no. I, I, I'm gonna let you know. I'm a Democrat here, but. Let's just use the same logic. And I'm not saying this, but I'm just going to put things together. I was like, the Republican Party has been starting wars for the last 20 years. The Republican, I heard, just oh. heard a Republican congresswoman from, from, uh, from, from uh, Nevada say she wants to shoot Syrian refugees in the head, you know, and all these awful things that are being said. I said, that sounds a lot like Hitler in the 1930s, you know? I said, 
but but I don't attribute the Republican Party to the Third Reich. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right, right. Well, so, Rachel Maddock, while we got you on here. Um, <laughs> Isn't it Rachel Maddow? Isn't it Maddow? I don't I think it's it Maddock. Wes, Wes would know. He looks enlightened. It's Maddow. It's like, oh, dang Oh, Maddow. Yeah. Maddow. Okay. See, I knew he would. So, Tom, you brought up, like, this guy, you know, he makes this appeal to Hitler, which is, like, the best way to ever win an argument, right? Like, if you're ever disagreeing with someone, like, if you and I were fighting, all I'd have to do is just be like, oh, yeah, I think I heard Hitler say something like that once. Like, exactly. Like, it's just an automatic appeal that way, and you just win. But is there a time when it's appropriate to do that? I mean, do you have to wait until the atrocity's been committed before you start drawing that line? No. Like, I... I... Like, I think with if you're going to draw on Hitler, Stalin, and Pol Pot, I mean, yeah, yeah, genocide is, is when you can start making those comparisons, you know? I mean, Hitler from the – all these guys from the get-go were were pretty ruthless, uh, <laughs> forged by things in World War One and, and those types of things. But, I mean, come on. I mean – so, he, I mean, Hitler went to church every Sunday, you know? I mean, so. Right. Yeah. So what's the, yeah, that's true. Yep. Well, it did. And we all know that, you know, any religious person or a Christian is just a fanatic and kind of an idiot. So that there's the lesson there, which is, why, which is why we're, why we're doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly well, right. Go on. You know, well, we, we got to get off Hitler and. Super Tuesday because we got more important things to talk about, like the Oscars. And so uh, we're going to talk about film today. And I have we have here uh, a good friend of mine, Wes Halula, who is uh, owns his own production company in in California near Hollywood in Hollywood. I'm going to let you talk a little bit more, but just know that Wes Halula is a good friend of mine. He's also a speaker for Youth Encounter and uh, has done a lot of good work. And we've become friends over the last two years, so. He's here because we're friends, and he kind of knows about film. <laughs> hey, so you want me to tell you what I do? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, so we have a production company in Los Angeles. My wife and I own the company. Um, I write and direct film. I have done all sorts of other things. I've done TV. I wrote for Veggie Tales for a year. Uh, I'm creating my own cartoon with Bento Box. They do Bob's Burgers and The Awesomes and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, are you going to eat yeah. from bento boxes while creating this uh, TV show? That's the goal. Because who doesn't love a good bento box? That's what I. Bento box is that a California thing? You have no. You don't know what a bento box is? Japanese for box. So when a Japanese company or a restaurant gives you a bento box, they're giving you a box box. Oh. And it's full of delicious Japanese food, Gabe. I didn't That's even know. Yeah. I didn't even know. So, okay, so far, here. Gabe today with his cultural references, over two, over oh, two, Rachel Maddock and, uh, and not knowing what a bento box is. Listen, I live in central Texas. I don't need to know cultural references. It's, it's because it's all of Texas is bent here. inwards upon itself. Exactly. Yeah. All you need um, is Texas national beer. I am. I am. So, Wes, long, long, long. let me just tell you a tale. Uh, happy fun time. Yes. Was it once an improv group? Yes, it was. Was it once an improv group that appeared at a camp in northern Michigan frequently? It was. Definitely. I don't know which uh, one. What was it? Uh, the one by Traverse City? Yeah, Camp Arcadia. 
Camp Arcadia. Yeah. So, shocking that you're bringing this up, Gabe. Right. Shocking. So, Absolutely so as a, shocking. As a young lad, I, I believe I saw you there. Was your wife part of Happy Fun Time Group? She still is. J- J- Jamaica? Jamaica? Nika. Janika. Janika. Oh. Yes. She was like my program person for when I was a little kid. So like seventh grade. Gabe, if you could bring up the at least have the respect to get his wife's name right. I was wow. like 12. I don't remember. But I just wow. remember, I was like, I remember having her as a program person. And then a few years later, she shows up with these dudes wearing ties doing improv. <laughs> yes, that was us. Dude, amazing. You guys were so great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a small yeah, Her brother worked on staff there for a while. And we uh, worked together for like two weeks. With Isaac? Yeah, with Isaac. Yeah, I was working end of season. He was working a full season. Uh, <laughs> sorry, this is a boring podcast. Yeah, and here we go. Work. We get yeah. sucked into the small, tiny world of Camp Arcadia once again. All of your conversations, Gabe, in, in, in any situation, I'm somehow digress into Camp Arcadia. Okay, let's move on to film. So, Wes, yeah. how many how many how many films have you made? Like, what? I mean, you mentioned you did some work for Veggie Tales, that sort of thing. But what's kind of been, or maybe I should put it this way: What's been your most recent film that that you've made? Uh, I'm actually getting ready to produce a film in a couple of months with uh, Stephen Baldwin. I I wrote a movie in 2007 called Midnight Clear, and he was uh, he was in it. And he just, for some reason, latched on to me, and he was like, you're my guy. So every time he's attached to a project, he calls me, and he uh, he's like, hey, I need you to rewrite this thing. It's garbage. And I try to make it a little less garbage. Um, and then he's he's got some funding for this film, and I'm going to produce it with a couple of friends of mine. And So, yeah, that's what I'm working on now. Can we that's back up? Awesome. We're, you're working with a Baldwin? I'm working with a Baldwin. I'm working with like the number two Baldwin. That is yeah. fantastic. That is amazing. Like the that second is most popular Baldwin. Was he was he the uh, Barney in the Flintstones? Yes, he was. Okay. All right. Good. He was oh, also man. in Backdraft, right? Uh, nope. That was Billy. Oh, that was Billy Baldwin. He was in Usual Suspects. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. There yeah. we go. And I don't know, Biodome 2 or something? I don't even know. <laughs> those Biodomes were good. I, I wait, like what's this biodomes. film about? Can can you leak anything to us? What's the, the film about? The one we're getting ready to do? Yeah, the one you're getting ready to do. Uh, well, <laughs> it's about, it's it's called Youth Group, and it's about yes. a youth group pastor. You're going to love it. it might, I was going to say, it sounds right up your alley, Gabe. Yeah, I don't know if I should say this in this podcast, but it might fit into the category of films we're going to talk about later. Oh, yes. boy. No. Oh, I can't wait. Well, no, but that, your, your perspective would be very helpful on that. Because towards what end will you make this? Like, so this is good. All right, so let's let's move into it. Let me, like, so we're talking film. I'd like to just get us a, a theological framework to, to go off of today, all right? So, uh, you know, we're Christians. We're trying to engage. Uh, wait, Gabe, film. Gabe, uh, God actually doesn't exist with film and Hollywood. So right. I don't know where you're going with this, but. what if it has the adjective christian before it does he then exist well we all know that films can have a personal relationship with jesus (laughs) (laughs) so it can't be christian films for sure i'm glad i'm glad to hear it as long as they have their quiet times we'll be all right Mm um so go ahead let me let me just lay out a theological framework here because i think honestly there is this sort of assumption that 
you know, either like you're, you're maybe a hyper moralistic person and you're just like, no, unless it has the adjective Christian in front of it, I won't touch it. And then there's kind of the other extreme within, uh, Christian circles is just like, I'm just going to do whatever I want, watch whatever I want, consume whatever I want without any real thought or discernment behind it. And I think our hope with this podcast is to, to be discerning, to, to teach discernment and what that looks like. So, uh, let me just kind of lay out how, at least I think it works. So we have, uh, Genesis one, God creates everything, right? First article of creed, he creates all things and he says that it's good. And then from this, God commands humanity. We call it the cultural mandate. He says, hey, uh, go forth and and take care of this world I've created. Uh, and there's kind of this word, he says, work the ground, which is this word of vad, uh, which is to like cultivate things, to, to take what he's created and move it forward. And so there's this idea in the beginning of the Bible that it starts with God, the creator, telling us, those who bear his image, to move his creation forward, to create things. And those things can be considered good. Now, of course, we got the fall and we'll deal with all that later. But at any rate, so we got that. Uh, and so the idea of humanity creating things like pieces of art, like film, is awesome. It's central to the biblical narrative. It's part of who we are as people. Um, and so I, I think inherently it's just a no-brainer for those of us as Christians who know the creator God to just um, to move forward and, and create things like film. But then we say, all right, does it have to then be Christian? Does it have to have that adjective on it to matter, to be worth something to for us to consume it? Well, I think there's a few instances in um, the New Testament that we could look at. Acts 17, Paul's preaching the gospel to some folks on, on the Areopagus, Mars Hill, and he drops uh, a bunch of knowledge on them, uh, people that don't know the Lord, but he quotes their philosophers, he quotes their poets and says, hey, these guys are pointing towards truth. These guys are pointing towards the divine. They're, they're alluding to something bigger, and I'm just trying to show you more of what that bigger is. And so he sort of uses the, the culture of his day, the art of his day, to point to the ultimate creator. And so he's I think pretty clearly telling us there's truth we can find that in things that don't have this inherent Christian adjective on it. And then on top of it, and then I'm done here, end of Philippians 4, uh, he says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's trustworthy, whatever's right, think about these things. And so there's this real broadness there that says like, hey, as Christians, we can engage culture, we can engage our world and look for that which is true, that which is noble, that which is beautiful, uh, in, in the creative world. And that certainly includes film done. Um, yes. All right. That's the answer to your question is yes. What was the question? I don't think I there was an amen at the end of that. Amen. Amen. That was it. Yeah. I wasn't is asking that what that I was question. supposed to do. I was just okay. talking at you. I'm a pastor. I, I don't ask questions. I just talk at people. <laughs> um, do you want me to respond to that? If you, I would love it, man. Yeah, what's your reaction? What's, what's, okay. What are you feeling when I, I laid that out? Really, I would say yes. Uh, I think th that we tend to sort of – I feel like the problem with Christian movies is the problem with a lot of movies that emerge from any subculture. It's that the, the movie is agenda-driven mm -hmm. to the point of uh, ignoring what's true. So what resonates with us in a story is things that we're like, yeah, that is true. And so when we see people in Christian films that they fall on their knees and the rain pours down and they weep and cry <laughs> out to God, somewhere we're like, I don't know if that's what happens, though. I don't mm -hmm. think that's what happens. Not all the time, every time, you know. Yep. And so we, it doesn't resonate as truth for us. So we, 
it feels like an agenda as opposed to um, telling a story. So, but how does how does ninety five percent of movies ring true for us? You know, mm-hmm. well, uh, I would say ninety five percent of movies don't ring true. Right, it's like five percent of movies ring true. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones yeah. we remember. Those are the ones that win Oscars. Those are the ones that yeah. But those I think the ones they we love. Yeah, well, and I to, to that point, Wes, I think what the ones that that stick out in our minds or win, you know, Oscars and and other awards like Golden Globes and that kind of thing, it's because they're able to tap into this uh, desired like idealism, and you know, it's sort of like you know the hero inside all of us or you know the lover inside all of us or something like that, where we're like, oh my gosh, if I could epitomize my life in this category, then that would be it, and so I kind of gravitate towards it. But that begs the question, how do those Christian films fall short then for even Christians? You know what I mean? Like when I watch those falling down on your knees in the rain in a Christian film, I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like yeah. no one does that, and I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? So is how is it that a lot of these you know, non-Christian films, as good as they are, how can they tap into the raw emotion and deep-seated spiritualism that, that we have and we desire without coming off as cheap or – you know, uh, borderline, you know, terrible. Is your question, how can people that are Christians make films like that or? No, how is it that, that, you know, directors like, you know, Steven Spielberg or Quentin Tarantino or, or any other famous director, Martin Scorsese, whatever, how are they able to so accurately tap into some of our deepest desires or things that we want to idealize? And then therefore we'll, we'll pay for tickets to go watch it. You know, the Academy will vote for it for awards, but it seems like, um, you know, specifically Christian directors and filmmakers are unable to tap into those same, you know, kind of like raw human attributes. Yeah, and it I, comes I, I really think that it's films are emerging from a subculture. And, and this is going to sound weird, but Hollywood, the studio system has decided what a Christian movie is. And so when Christians go to the studios and say, we want to make this movie, they'll say, well, uh, 45 minutes into it, does someone have a crisis of faith and then there's a miracle? We need to see a miracle in the film. And there's literally a checklist of things that Hollywood insists on happening in a Christian film because it's a, it's a, it's a genre of film to them. It's oh, a that's interesting. Certain things happen in this film. So mm. it's artificial, you know, and I know Christians that have like tried to get good projects off the ground. And it's not, uh, in fact, I honestly, I've worked on a project with a, a giant church that was willing to fund this movie. And when we started talking to distributors, they were like, well, we need more of these Christian film moments in your film if we're going to distribute this. And is that simply a product of being able to make money? Because when you look at a movie yeah. like, what was it, Firehouse or, you know, uh, they're making stuff up. Yeah, fireproof, 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 yeah, fireproof. Firehouse yeah. is a sub shop. <laughs> they do have delicious yeah. subs. And, and what, weren't they in like a band in the '90s or something like that? Yeah. Um, but okay, so fireproof or uh, war room, whatever. You know, it's these movies that the Left Behind series. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> You want me to keep going, Tom? No, no. I've seen them all. But but if they check all those boxes, <laughs> they know that every youth group and every single like Christian is going to go to that movie because finally a movie we can go to and not feel bad about at the end. You know yeah. that they know that they'll make money off of it. So is it just money driven at that point? But yeah. if we're being yeah, honest, like it's definitely yes. Okay, sorry, sorry, Wes. No, but no. I have to say, do do these youth groups and churches 
actually feel good about themselves when they leave. You know what I mean? Like I, I get, I get the impetus to say, yes, finally a movie we can be proud of. We'll claim it. We'll, you know, we'll buy out theaters for it. But I've seen those movies. And like, when I leave, I think to myself, this was bad. Like, I don't feel good about watching this. I'm embarrassed to say that I, that I paid money to see it. So like, <laughs> yeah, but you get around. I mean, think about this, like how many films come out of the LBGT community that emerge that like make it in mainstream culture, very very few, and yeah. most of it is because those films, the vast majority of those films, are so agenda driven and they're preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. There's so many false notes in it that that mainstream culture is like, I don't know, man, I don't resonate with that. But, but then all- the ones that do emerge out of that are the ones that are told well, that the story yeah. is uh, accurate, that. They're saying true things, and then those emerge. So let let me take this just a little different way then, because um, I keep hearing this, you know, that these notes don't ring true and things like that. So on one hand, we have super Christian movie, which when we as Christians go to this movie, like, sure, the message is great, but we're like, that was campy. That, that wasn't done well, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But then on the flip side, every single time a Christian is portrayed in a Martin Scorsese movie or something like that, it's it's the most ridiculous cartoon version of, cartoon version of Christianity. Christianity. They're just making fun of fun of the person for having this faith. Seems like there's an agenda there too. But like, why can't again a Martin Scorsese, a Quentin Tarantino, anybody who's really good at capturing humanity not somehow be able to capture real Christianity? I, but don't, I think that some people do though. I really do. And in fact, I would even say Martin Scorsese and some of his films. He's really argued out his catholic faith sure and it rings yeah. true because he it, you feel he's honestly asking questions and arguing out his faith um and those notes ring true the the, the films that you're talking about i don't think they do well honestly there was a a, a movie i'm trying to remember the name of it but it was about um a christian <laughs> high school and it was like so bad it to so save a life top. And it's like these people don't even know real Christians. I don't know who wrote this film. Right. But at the same time, it's actually interesting you say that because, uh, I mean, isn't to a certain degree, aren't they actually capturing the way that uh, that oftentimes Christians are portrayed and or interact with society? I mean, go back to our conversation with Trump and these and these crazy you know fanatics uh, you know either arguing for or against Trump. Like, oftentimes in real life, it does ring true. That that we are seen as kind of these just like bad actors, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I, and I hate to mm-hmm. use that since we're talking about film, but like in, in one way they are capturing the essence of of how Christianity is seen in American society today as this weird sort of spiritualism that doesn't really mean a whole lot, and the people are pretty much crazy, so we'll just sort of laugh them off, you know what I mean? Like on on that level, I think it also uh, is true. In addition to like what you were saying, Wes, where you have directors like Martin Scorsese who are able to really capture what the Christian life is. Mm-hmm. I, to me, I feel like I want to see um, almost like a thesis in the film, and I want to see that get argued out throughout the film, and I want uh, a real human reaction to those things. You know, those are good films. Like The Apostle, I feel like shows a subculture of, of sort of Southern evangelical charismatic Christians, but it's like super respectful yeah. and it's um, honest, yep. you know, and it shows like the good and the bad. And it, it, 
it's not a cartoon version on either side, you know. I yeah. feel like those are the films that last. Those are the films that will 30, 40 years from now will still be watching those films because they Kinda say like something true States. as opposed to like forcing an agenda into a film. Have you seen the Boondock Saints? I have, yeah, yeah. So that would probably fit in that category too, is like super realistic and you know, <laughs> um, totally encapsulates the Christian life. Sure, yeah. Cool. Right. Encapsulates the Irish Christian lifestyle. Yep, movie night, who wants to go watch it? At Wes, can I, we'll get jo- Josh so. just made me think of something. Uh, so for listeners who don't know, uh, we, uh, Josh, Tom and myself, my guess is maybe Wes as well, are, are part of the uh, the, Luth- the Lutheran tribe. Uh, Wes, are you as well? I've been grafted in. Hey, bienvenidos, amigo. Uh, <laughs> but welcome. Uh, well, at any rate, so, Wes, I, I want to uh, pitch an idea to you then. Josh brought oh, up the excellent. Boondock Saints. Uh, would you be willing to produce a uh, Boondock Saints Lutheran edition version? Um, Starring I'd be happy to star. Starring who? Me. Oh, and you. And Josh, uh, yeah. And me. Oh, and Let's Tom can play that yes. Italian guy. Like okay, the, I'll... the third wheel, you know, like <laughs> got that rolled down. I'm the only one with an Irish last name. It doesn't matter. We're not, we're, we're Lutherans, we're not Irish. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'll go ahead and say yes. And then Perfect. just move on and never talk about this again. That sounds great. That Fair sounds enough. great. That works for me too. So what I do want to do to move us along though here is, so, so on the one hand, we've kind of been talking like, okay, why are Christian films terrible? What's going on with that? But then like, let's talk about the idea of the, the Christian as a connoisseur of film. What does it mean? Like, what does it mean for me to engage good movies uh, as a Christian? Like, am I not supposed to watch you know, if it, if it's bloody or there's sex in there, you just stay away from it, brother. Like, like, what's the line for the Christian if we're supposed to, you know, keep our minds pure and that sort of thing? How do how do we engage the the film industry? Quentin Tarantino, that's the line. Uh, all so movies like can cross it or not? No, all movies are good except for you. You may not go to Quentin Tarantino oh, movies. So that okay. that's that's actually the eleventh commandment. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, it's in the books in between the Old Testament and New Testament. So, some Maccabees. Yeah, some Maccabees. Uh, should I give my professional? Wes, we want your expert opinion. Okay. Yep. The question is, how should Christian Christians consume film yep. from a moral standpoint? Yep. I, again, I always go back to what is the what's the message? What is the thesis that's getting argued out in this film? And I'd rather sit through a film that is violent and gory and it's filled with sex, but like what they're arguing out is something that's real and accurate and true. Mm-hmm. Then a film that is squeaky clean and what they're saying is wrong. It, like it's an inaccurate portrayal of the world that God created. Yeah. Um, well, so- I, in fact, honestly, the most offensive thing in all of culture to me is the Disney channel. It's <laughs> geared towards middle school kids and it exists to create consumers that are obsessed with how they look and what they should wear. And, you know, you're right. I just find that like repulsive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely well, put. well, so let me ask this though. Like, how do you know? Um, so, so I agree. Like, so, you know, I'll go through uh, like, for example, Django Unchained. I thought that was a great movie. Thought it had it tapped into some while well, we're mentioning Quentin Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. Thought it tapped into some great stuff. I mean, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it was good. Um, 
and I thought it had a good enough message. I'm like, cool, I'll take that. You know, I'm, I'm grabbing hold of the truths of that. It's speaking truth about life and humanity and, and who we're meant to be and that sort of thing. Uh, but what if at the end it just was like, like didn't do that? You know, like how, how do you, you don't know beforehand. And so what is there, you, you got to do research before you watch things. I mean, what's the, what's the line? You know, I, I think the key is to process what you just watched. Anytime you see a movie, process it you know in fact at youth encounter events i do a seminar about separating out the message from the medium uh in film so i i feel like most of us we we watch movies and we're like that was awesome and that's as far as our brains go we don't process out what were they saying like what are they what are they revealing about the world that we live in yeah. about how we interact with each other okay so you were speaking about movies that that have a thesis that, that they're walking through. Django Unchained is a great great example of that filled with blood, sex, and violence, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, overuse of the N word, all this, but it really does portray something about that time period, about how people were treated, and and so we're going to watch it, even though it, it, it's packaged in a really ridiculous form, right? right. But then you have other movies that. Oh, I just went to Deadpool the other day. Yeah. Hilarious movie. Love superhero movies. It was fun, but completely unreal. Yeah. Says nothing about any real human struggle at all. I mean, maybe a little I, bit. I haven't seen that. But filled with violence and yeah. sex. And like, so is that the movie we shouldn't go to? I mean, I'm not going to tell anyone they should or shouldn't go to a movie. No, that's what this I, is what the show is about. That's why we have you here, West. Here's a list. <laughs> but they should go and see all of your films in the future. Yeah, they're filled with sex, with violence, with drug <laughs> use, and uh, they're just fun. And, ca- and cameos from Tom and Gabe. That's right. <laughs> and Kirk Cameron. Yep. I, I feel like Tarantino, for me, is a great example of like, – his body of work is a great example of what I like and don't like. I think Django and Chain was great. I I really enjoyed uh, the World War II movie. Oh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. yeah, even though it was awful and violent and whatever, you know, some good things emerged from that. But honestly, I look at his early stuff. I don't like it. And people love uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. And to me, it feels like uh, a child who has watched a lot of films making a film. It's like an homage to other films, but he had no, nothing to say. I get to the end of his of his early movies, and I just think, like, you have nothing to say about life or relationships or – and I just have this, like – I feel like I just ate cotton candy, like blood-soaked cotton candy for two hours, you know, and so, I don't like that. That's well, that, that's interesting because that's – so that's you, – you're talking about not liking it from from an artistic perspective. Uh, which which actually, I think, brings a whole nother dimension to this, because uh, in one sense, we've been talking about like sort of shaping how we discern good films, how we engage film as, as Christians is, is, in my mind, kind of this idea of Philippians 4, 8 to 9, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is beautiful. And you're saying those early films weren't beautiful. So maybe it wasn't inherently awful for me to see it in terms of like God's really mad at you because you watched Reservoir Dogs. But. Right. It wasn't the best use of your time. And so there's kind of just like a wisdom element to this. I think that's right. And even saying artistically, that can even get parsed out between the message and the median. Mm-hmm. You know, it was shot beautifully. 
Yeah. Uh, it was acted really well. It was cut together. It was very clever dialogue. It just had nothing to say. There was no, there's no um, foundation for this film to be built on. Let's 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 take it a, a different example because Quentin Tarantino is very much in to me in just one genre, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's take let's take a movie uh, like The Danish Girl mm-hmm. this year. Uh, so here's a here is a. The context of the movie is something, you know, you, we talk about being Lutherans. We have some Lutherans who are completely okay with uh, homosexuality and transgender. We have other Lutherans who are not. And here we have a movie that is all based on transgender, homosexuality issues, you know, identity issues and things like that. And I can see a whole subset of Christians saying, I will not see that movie because I don't agree with the premise because I know at the end they're going to say it's all right, mm-hmm. you know. Um Sands doing our research at the well is at the end. Do they say it's bad? Because if they say it's bad, then I'm going to go. You know, but most Christians won't go to that movie, or I think some Christians won't go to that movie because of the premise. But what you're saying is, but the premise and the thesis of it is this struggle with right. human, and it and that is that is life. And well, yeah, and is it an accurate portrayal of what people that are going through that experience? Mm-hmm. You know. And I feel like I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like it must be because it's resonating with culture. It's like, you know, the, and because Eddie Redmayne did it and he's awesome. That's what it is. But I feel like he did it because it was a great script that that, that had some legs, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a point here about uh, engaging parts of our culture to teach empathy, right? Like if, if I'm a Christian who says like, well, that doesn't agree with who I am and what I like. And so I'm just not going to touch it. Like, that's stupid. Like we need to learn empathy. I need to learn what that's like. If I'm coming from that perspective, I need to hear from voices outside of myself. Yeah. But but what Wes is is saying is that the, the, the narrative and the sort of like framework by which that presented is what's most important. Cause so you talk about the Danish girl. Well, on the flip side of that, we have the same, you know, uh, filmed and cinematic struggle with Caitlyn Jenner, mm-hmm. you know, on the E channel. And it's the same, you know, yep. in theory, the same struggles, the same kind of gender identity issues, the same transformations, you know, one, one on TV, one in film, but at the same time, clearly like people would go to say the Danish girl and say, man, what, what artistic representation of this? Like it's hitting some sort of truth. It's teaching me empathy and all that kind of stuff. But then when I go watch, you know, an episode of keeping up the Kardashians and there's Caitlyn Jenner. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, like I feel no empathy. And so is it just simply the framework in which it's presented or is it the message itself? Well, can I, can I give you a little bit of a, a crash course in screenwriting here? Cause I, I, I think it'll Please help. Please do Wes. We know, we know not what we're talking about at all. <laughs> well, uh, the reality is, when you write a screenplay, and in fact, I was just listening to a podcast that was talking about this yesterday, but when you write a screenplay, you start from what is your thesis? What is my, what is the, the statement I want to make to the world? Or what is the thing I want to argue out? Um, and so I'll just give a, an easy, simple example. But if you, if you wanted to make a film that was about family is the most important thing in life, well, then you would start with that premise and you would start with the main character that have the opposite misbehavior that they don't care about their family or they work too much or they have an argument with their parents or whatever it is, you find that thing and their misbehavior sends them on their arc. And at the end, they sort of argue out, well, 
is family most important thing? And, and you know, the Hollywood model is that you learn at the end, you learn your valuable lesson and that, you know, but every film fits into that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I feel like we should be able to watch a film and come away from it and go like, what were they arguing out in this film? And did they do a good job of that? Did they say true things about that? And what happens a lot of times is they start from a premise of uh, everyone should have this flash moment relationship with Jesus thing. And we're going to argue that out and we're going to hammer it in no matter what. <laughs> or uh, the homosexuals are oppressed by Christians and we're going to hammer that out and we're going to force that into there even if it doesn't work. It's just going to be artless. Or the environment is being ruined by big business and we're just going to slam that in no matter how artificial that feels, you know. Or uh, this football team will win if our coach reads passages from Nehemiah. Exactly. Like, that's <laughs> really broad. Uh, that, that's not true. Film that was. No, not it is Nehemiah, not. No. Oh, okay. But if you read from Jeremiah. Then... Jeremiah is better. Okay. It's okay. Amazing. That, no, generally your defensive line holds better. Yeah. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm giving the 10 second version of that thought, but. That's... No, it does. It, it's just funny how there are some movies like with, with your experience and obviously that's your perspective on, you know, what, what makes a great film is having that strong narrative thesis, you know, and, and concluding with the point that it was trying to make. It's just funny when you, when you come across movies that don't have that yet are incredibly successful. Like how many fast and furious movies are we on? It's like fast and furious 13. Yeah. And like well, the hangover. I, I was able I to have argue that those films still have that. I, I would argue those films absolutely have that. So let's but take that, Fast and Furious. T tell us about that. Well, Tom it, loves Fast and Furious. Yeah, he does. Yes, just from what I know of Fast and Furious, he's cocky. He's the center of the universe, and he has to learn to like work well and play well with others. Yeah, there's a bit of that. There is a family component to it, you sure. know. See, like, I was kidding, but Tom actually loves Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We struck a nerve by bringing up Fast and Furious. Talk, Tom, should talk you be now. coloring right now? Why are you on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. First of all, the reason we have seven Fast and Furious movies is because it's fast cars and pretty girls and nonstop action. That's, that's the that's recipe for every great movie, right? I no, mean, no, that, so that's uh, bad film. According to, uh, I guess, from what it sounds like, Wes, that's actually bad film or like, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's bad film. No, no, okay, that's okay. Successful. Let me, let me, let me bring this out then. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about film has to tell a story and things like that, but we also talked about Hollywood has to do wants us to do these 12 things checklist to make a good Christian film because at the end of the day it's about making money. Film can also be, in my opinion, film can be. Pure entertainment. I would like to go and shut my mind off for two hours and just see nothing but car chases and pretty girls and, you know, fast cars and fist fights. Like, that's why I, is that bad? I feel like that's what you think you're seeing, but you're actually seeing a story where a, a thesis is laid out at the beginning of the movie and it gets argued out through car chases and pretty women and explosions. Sure, but, but but it's a bad story. Like we all yeah. realize that. Like at the end you're like, well that was terrible acting and that yeah. was terrible a terrible storyline. There was sure. no arc, you know, and they jump from I hate life to everything is beautiful in about 10 minutes, you know. But 
at the end of the day, I don't, I don't care. I wanted to see robots fighting, you know? And I have, I have to agree, Tom, because I love zombie movies. Yeah. Anything zombie-related, like, literally, it could be the worst zombie film ever produced, you know? Like, like I love Alex Romero, all right? I love The Walking Dead. I love anything zo- 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, all that kind of crap. Obviously, I know. 28 there Days is never Later, is that like a Meg Ryan movie? No. I, I'm telling you guys, no. if you – if you took, if I gave you like a 12-point screen screenplay structure, and you went to the films that you love, they're like, yeah, but these films don't have that. And you watch the film with this sheet in front of you, you would go, holy crap, they just did. I just we just hit the inciting incident for this film. We just hit the midpoint complication. We just hit all hope is lost. You know, it, all of the films. That oh, you for love, sure. I promise. Right, yeah, you, no, I. I, I I believe that. What I was, I was uh, speaking more to like Tom's point, in which I go to a zombie movie knowing there's nothing real about it. I don't even care about the twelve steps and the climax and the points right. and the main thesis. Like literally, I just want to zone out and watch zombies eat people's flesh. That's pretty much all I'm looking for. Yeah, and for I, some reason, I'm into that. And I was going off the point that like Transformers is bad film from yes. a creative and a beautiful standpoint, things right. like that. But it's great film in that I was thoroughly entertained for two hours. It made a boatload of money and my boys do nothing but play Transformers right now. You know, like, sure. like, so that that's good film in a certain way, yeah. right? In a monetary standpoint. Right. It's a yeah, but as far film. as like Tom just purely being entertained by it, like, yeah. is there is there anything wrong with like just saying like, yeah, I know there's nothing really quote unquote edifying about this. I'm just yeah. gonna like soak it in for the crap that it is. Is that is that wrong? I mean, is, are we is that an okay thing to do? I think that's fine. I <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's we are learning from those films. We're learning from every film we watch, whether we want to or not. I think that's and that's that's probably what we've all been we we've all understood and known and I think mm-hmm. people have to realize that but thank you for finally saying it Wes because you're right whether there's this grand arch narrative that that is actually teaching something substantive or it's mindless flesh eating zombies you're yeah. you're going to come away and there's going to be some sort of influence or uh you know formation that that comes out of that and so yeah. the the real question I think is is it is it bad to go watch a bloody, gory movie? Is it bad to go watch TV shows with fast cars and fast women? Like, on the one hand, sure, there there are probably some sort of like, you know, implicit, you know, negatives to do that. But on the flip side, the the bigger question is, what kind of formation is that, or what 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 is that forming in you? Um, if you continue to watch those kinds of movies, you know, day in and out, just using the excuse, well, you know, whatever, I'm just kind of checking out and zoning out. Like, you're going to be formed in some way by those films, whether you like it or I not, because that's absolutely it all has that. true. And we, we dismiss films that are just entertainment as though n- nothing's going in. Like, you know, when I said, when I talk in the workshops about media, the, the uh, media is plural for the word medium. And a medium is the conduit that we deliver a message. So if we're partaking of a medium of film, inherently someone's delivering a message. So I feel like we're doing ourselves a massive disservice to not uh, debrief after a movie, even just mentally inside your head. Like, what did I just see? What was that? What were they talking about? And not, you know, the, the medium is, cars explode and robots punch each other and girls were naked or whatever 
that is, that's the median, but the message is like what we watch, the, the narrative of that. So what I, you're I saying is like if I could train my kids to always debrief after they watch something, that's a massive win for me. So what you're saying is there's an incredible opportunity for us to say start a business called movie theater therapists and have a room at the theater where as people exit the film, they can then come in for debrief and counseling sessions. That that was actually my point, and I'm glad you picked up on it because it was subtle. Well, hey, I'm gonna actually move us along and yeah. and move us into I'm gonna I'm gonna move us out of our, our film talking stage and move us into shout outs, but check out this transition. Uh, oh, so yeah. Uh, we just like to, to talk a little bit about the organizations that we're a part of that that we get to um, uh, serve and, and whatever else. And if you ever want to check us out, you're welcome to. Uh, so I, I pastor a church called Axe Church Landers, the greatest church in the entire world. Uh, we're located outside of Austin, Texas. And we, oddly enough, uh, we have a, a leader in our church who runs a thing um, called Cinema and Religion. And so he shows a film each week, and it's not a Christian film. It's a, it's a real film. Uh, and, and he shows them each week. And then afterwards... Uh, we have, and it's open to the public, and we have a big discussion about it. So if you live in the Austin area, you want to join us, you are more than welcome to be a part of that. Uh, it's it's really a pretty good time, a good way to uh, to engage our culture. Uh, so encourage you to be a part of that. And that was all I had. Uh, hey, oh, I and we'll piggyback off of that, please. Because our church in Hollywood, if you go to churchinhollywood.com, people go to church in Hollywood. Seven of us. There, okay. Seven people. I was going to say, well, man. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we do a thing called Cineminklings that we actually meet at a theater and watch a film, and then afterwards we go out for beer and decompress and talk about the movie. Love it. Love yeah. it. Well, and, that's, and our whole thing, our, the line that we've used is, is from this guy who leads it. Uh, he says, you know, people are more likely to talk about spiritual things after leaving a film than they are after leaving church. Absolutely. Which, given my job, is a shot in the gut, but probably accurate. I think so. We don't have any Josh, cool programs like that. Well, we don't have any cool programs like that at Bridge City, but I am trying to convince uh, my friend Mark and Brian and the other Brian and this other dude, Sammy, to have a movie night where they're going to introduce me to classic black movies, ones that I have not <laughs> seen before. So we're just going to have a movie night. We're going to cuddle on the couch, watch some popcorn or eat some popcorn and watch some of these classic films. Love it. Love it. Well, cool, cool. Wes, can you, would you want to do a, a shout out for us on what you're doing? Anyways, people that can connect with you, kind of what, what's your handles, those sorts of things? Uh, you know how when Jesus did miracles, he'd always tell people, don't tell <laughs> anyone about this. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of my business model. Perfect. <laughs> it make really it really hard for people to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, I'm working on creating a new cartoon Working with Bento Box, I mentioned that, right? Box, box. Box, box, box. And it's actually in association with the Faraday Institute, which is part of Cambridge University. And they exist to show that science and faith are not enemies. So nice, cool. creating a cartoon for kids between 8 to 12 uh, that are showing that faith and science, that it's a natural conclusion when you look at science to say that faith is great. And also, if you are a person of faith, don't be afraid of science. Awesome. And I think that's a great thing for everyone listening to keep their ear out for and their eyes open mm -hmm. to. And uh, Wes, we hope that uh, as you guys move into production, hopefully soon or whenever you're supposed to, that you know all that stuff goes good. Because I think that is important and it's valuable. And I'm a believer it's not going to be as terrible as most Christian films in America today. I believe in you, Wes. 
Thank you, brother. Yeah, no problem. Uh, can I get some fanfare or like a trumpet or some type of celebratory well, well, music? Wait, wait, do wait. We have those? Are, are do you going to do this for me? For me, because I apparently no, I'm Tom. still gainfully employed, and I would like to shout out my own organization. Or are we just going to gloss over that? Uh, no, go, go ahead. ahead, Tom. Do your thing. Whatever. Thanks. Uh, I run an organization called Youth Encounter. We're a national youth ministry organization. We send teams of college students around the country to visit your church or your school. Uh, we also do large events in different cities, of which we have already mentioned. Wes here is one of our speakers. Gabe is one of our speakers. In fact, Josh is going to be uh, one of my speakers for one of our Feed the Need events coming up in Winchester, Virginia. And so I'm there. actually going to have to cancel that, Tom. Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm speaking next yeah. weekend in Traverse City. Eddie. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You, I just wanted to make things weird. That's right. You're in Traverse City coming up next weekend, and I know that Gabe is coming up in uh, Wisconsin Dells. Wisconsin Dells. So, I'll be in Virginia. I'll be there, Tom. Excellent. Hey, great. Now you can have your trumpet and fanfare. Okay. Can we get some type of celebratory music? Are you ready? No. Here I go. Again, just terrible podcast. Fireproof. Um, but on a good <laughs> note and something incredible, we want to give a shout out to our first subscriber on our website, pintglasspreachers.com, B E G E 09 at yahoo.com. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you so much for subscribing. You are a to saint. Pintglass Preachers. And you're going to get a prize. So I'm going to email you at some point and find out who you are, and I'm going to send you probably the best prize you've ever received. In addition to our first SoundCloud subscriber, we also have our first paid subscription, Eric Silber. But thank you. Thank you so so much. Thank you. And you will also receive a prize of immeasurable worth. So now it's time for our shameless plug. If you want to know how you could subscribe or you would like to know how to, what we like to say, buy another round. First of all, we invite you to sus- subscribe to our podcast and become one of our regulars. You can do this by jumping onto our website at www.pintglasspreachers.com. If you like our podcast enough, we'd also like you to buy another round. This is our very clever way of asking you to support us, either with a one-time gift or with a monthly automatic donation of $1.99. If you do, we promise you'll get some really cool swag at some point when we get around to it. Last call. That was great. You're welcome. That was a wonderful sound effect. Well, you, didn't uh, it was coming. you didn't even know it was coming. No, I had no idea. I had no idea. Well, hey, next week on Pine Glass Preachers, we are going to talk about sports. Sports, 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 sports. Uh, come back for that? No, Wes, uh, which is, is Tom's favorite topic. He loves sports. He actually is one of the few people left in the world that watches the NBA. So <laughs> at any rate, um, we, we are actually we're going to have a professional athlete on here uh, and talk to him about what it looks like to engage the world of athletics uh, as a Christian and, and how we do that. It's such a huge part of our culture. So uh, be sure to stay tuned to that. You can follow us on Twitter at Pint Glass Preach, uh, on Facebook slash Pint Glass Preachers, on Instagram, uh, Pint Glass Preachers, uh, on MySpace. We're kidding. Uh, and that's it. Um, that's that's all we got. It's Pint Glass Preachers. Can a curler next week? Does Tom know any curlers up there in the cold north? Oh, Utah? I could probably find one or two. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you could. Oh, yeah. Hey, so next week we can talk about my love affair with Fast and Furious and NBA basketball. Yay. He's heating up.